Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. We got a deep episode for you guys here today with my buddies Nick and Dustin. Uh, Nick and Dustin are the owners of a company called Wazoo Survival Gear. And I use their gear. I've been using their gear for quite a while now. Uh, It's designed for everyday wear and it's engineered for survival, wilderness backpacking, expanding your capabilities. These guys are super super not only smart uh they're great entrepreneurs but they also have great insight on body soul and spirit because of the nature of the business that they're in they spend a lot of time outdoors they spend a lot of time thinking about ways to expand their capabilities expand their knowledge um, expand uh, their themselves in order to to bring the best ideas and the best products to the table uh, because of the, because of the business they're in. It's just you know Nick also works for NASA. I think he's an engineer for NASA. Um, so he's dude. He's just I mean we go deep down the rabbit hole on this episode on a ton of different topics. Uh, Dustin. Dustin's the complete opposite, I would think, uh, I would say, of a NASA engineer. Um, although he, I think he's on the same level of intelligence. He has beautiful long locks of hair and uh, lives out in Colorado. You'd almost think he was a, you'd almost think he was some kind of hippie until you went up, and spent some time talking to him, and you realized he was just a good dude. <laughs> and not, nothing against hippies, but. Uh, no, I love Dustin to death. These guys make an awesome team, and they just brought a lot of really cool conversation to the podcast. Uh, this is not an advertisement for Wazoo Survival Gear, although I do use their gear, and I do believe in their products, and it, their stuff is legit. This podcast was not an advertisement for their company. This podcast was to get to learn who Dustin and Nick are and uh, get to hear the wisdom that they have accumulated over the course of their lives. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. We're going to do some uh, housekeeping real quick. And first of all, this podcast, we got two sponsors for this podcast. The first sponsor is our Patreon members. I want to thank each and every one of you guys that have committed your your money, your resources in order to support this podcast. Um, I can't even tell you how humbling it is every time I have or I see one that one of you guys have signed up on Patreon to support this show. It is so humbling. It is so rewarding to me to know that you guys are enjoying this content enough to support me with your hard-earned money. It means so much to me, but even beyond that, it helps make this show better. Um, it, it really does in, 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 a, in a ton of different ways. Um, the equipment that we use, the programs that we use, the editing, uh, the editor that we use, Evan, he does an awesome job. Um, And, you know, it couldn't be done without you guys that make that monthly pledge 
to support our show, to support your show, the 307 Podcast. I do this completely, totally for you guys. Never imagine that um, it would it would pay for itself. So thank you guys so much. It's so humbling, and uh, it's just so I'm so thankful for everyone that supports us on Patreon. The second sponsor of this show is a company called Natural Rapport. You guys have heard me talk about Natural Rapport before. Uh, they are an awesome company that make uncomplicated pet essentials. We love our dogs here at my house. Like our dogs sleep in the bed with us. They get the best of uh, they the best food, the best treatment. They get they're they're a part of our family in the realest sense. I mean that. So Natural Rapport makes all types of dog treats. Um, grooming supplies, um, like I say, and they're all uncomplicated. All of the treats are single ingredient. Uh, they're all natural. The ingredients are as close to nature as they can possibly make them. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's awesome. You can feel comfortable feeding these to your dogs if Hopefully, you love your dogs as much as I do because they deserve it because they love you that much. All right, guys, and uh, as far as the other pet essentials they make, the ear cleaners, um, the shampoos, stuff like that, it's all plant-based grooming products. And, uh, yeah, you're not going to find anything better out there than natural rapport when it comes to take care, taking care of your pets. Please go and support this company, Natural Rapport, because they support our show that we all love. They're part of this mission. Uh, the owners of Natural Rapport listen to the 307 podcast. They are solid individuals with a firm, uh, a firm foundation of integrity and morals and the whole nine yards. I know them personally. If you go and purchase Natural Rapport, uh, on their website, it's uh, the website is www.naturalrapport. That's n a t u r a l r a p p o r t dot com. Use the pro code three of seven project all caps for ten percent off of your purchase. I promise you, you or your pet will not be disappointed. Also, give them a follow on Instagram at naturalrapport. They post some awesome content. Uh, it's a really good follow. Go hit them up. Thanks, Natural Report. Oh, by the way, all of their products are made in the USA. I freaking love that. That is a game changer for me. All their products are made in the USA. That's solid. Thanks, Natural Report, for supporting the 307 podcast. We really appreciate it. And listeners, I hope you guys appreciate it. And I hope you utilize the pro code and the discount that they've given us all to use. So without further ado, here is Dustin and Nick. I hope you enjoy it. I'm fired up. Thanks, guys. Enough said. A clear sky at night does the same thing for me because being part of the space industry, if you ever do any research into space and you start realizing our sun is a star, and there's more stars in 
the universe than there are grains of sand on the entire earth, then it really starts to expand your mind that all you have to do is look up on a clear night and realize how small your problems are. So anybody that's dealing with personal issues, stress, drama, whatever it is, that's where I go to try and just unwind and realize that I, I gotta let this go. I'm a very high stress person. I try and operate 100% all the time and it wears me out. And and I just need to take that time to sit and, and absorb and realize that a lot of these aren't problems. If it doesn't get accomplished, it's not the end of the world. And, and you know, just kind of put it all in perspective. Nick, Dustin, welcome to the 307 podcast. Glad to be here. Dude, surprised to be here. Thank you so much. No, thank you guys for uh, for being here. Uh, for the listeners, if you don't know Nick and Dustin, you should get to know them. I'll tell you where you can find them, or I'll let them tell you where you can find them later on in the episode. But um, these are some friends of mine. They own a very, very cool company called Wazoo Survival Gear. And, you know, me and Dustin have been talking back and forth over the last few weeks. Uh, I went out with a friend of mine and uh, I've actually taught a little land nav course the other day uh, to some friends here locally. And one of my friends had a a bunch of Wazoo survival gear. Uh, You know, he, this dude, like he, he had like one of everything and he was showing me the gear while we were out in the woods doing our land nav. And I was like, man, this is legit. And one of the things that you guys make is that bandana. It's the forging bandana that has, it's got like all, it's got a bunch of um, plants that you can use either to eat or for medicinal purposes or whatever it may be. And Chris, my buddy had this bandana and we were like, finding these mushrooms and stuff that were displayed on this bandana. Man, we were just having a blast. Like it was land nav, but it became something more than land nav. And um, so he kept telling me Wazoo survival gear. And then I get back home and Chris shoots me a text and he's like, he's like, Hey man, uh, you know, Wazoo survival gear likes all your stuff on Instagram. I was like, no way, dude. So then that's when we connected Dustin and um, and then, of course, Nick, uh, I guess you guys are co-owners. Is that right? Yeah, we are co-owners, 50-50 and uh, co-founders. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to dig into that here in just a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things when we initially talked, Dustin, that I really want to dig into on this episode, man, is um, you talked about the the mission of Wazoo Survival Gear uh, being more than just the products. Uh, you talked about basically the, the, the main mission is to empower people and to, I guess, get people to realize their true potential, man. And so we talked about that briefly and, uh, I want to talk, I want you and Nick, um, take your turns and, and tell me how that became part of the mission and, uh, you know, what, what is your, what is your viewpoint on that? And what does that actually mean? Cool. Nick, you want me to ramble first? Yeah. Sometimes that works if you ramble and then I summarize. <laughs> That's true. Nick's in a, Nick's in a closet, by the way, for everyone listening, Nick is recording I, from a closet. It's life. Got it. Got to deal with what you got. I heard that brother. Yeah. So I guess to piggyback what your anecdote, Chad, of 
going out on this nav course and then having fun with your buddy doing some foraging. I, that's quintessential as to what we hope our gear creates is this fun. Uh, it's a fun tool that will uh, not only help you get incorporated with community and your buddies, but you're learning along the way. And from a founding standpoint of us, we've been around for a couple of years now. And at the very beginning, we had survival, the name still do Wazoo survival gear in the natural. I think the natural lane that people want to go into when they talk about survival gear and what we saw from a lot of other companies that were around when we were doing similar things is they would use doom and gloom. They would use fear tactics to scare you into uh, buying their products. And I think from the very beginning, Nick and I have always tried to take a, a different route of kind of feeding people. We, we think that survival, being prepared, being empowered, being a person who is a problem solver is the way to go. And the way that we thought that we could do that to bring people to something, a serious topic like survival gear or things that people aren't naturally looking for is to give them the medicine with a little bit of sugar. And we did that by keeping it fun. And we try to make a lot of fun. Even the name Wazoo is fun. And so we're trying to get people, pull people into the fold and say, Hey, like this doesn't have to be, you don't have to be scared. You don't, you, you can, um, you can take on big topics. You can take on uh, life it, it, with a different approach than running away from something uh, like fear. And so it's continued to, our mission has continued to evolve as we, I think individually continue to evolve and as a company evolves. But right now, a lot of what we're echoing are the topics that they, guys like you uh, say all the time. I think in, in me individually, I'm continuing to grow and I'm trying to find that path of, you know, growing with, with my three of seven. And um, that's why I was following you for a long time. Uh, and I follow people that have a, a similar message as, as you. And we're trying to incorporate that into our brand. And we're so fortunate, I think, to be able, I mean, if we were selling some other doodad widget it would be hard if i was selling pillows to have to be able to have a big mission a big thing that we felt like was our reason for living and being on this earth and um it be what we woke up to do every morning but we're so fortunate that we have a topic like survival like self-reliance that we can utilize the messages folks like you have already out there and, uh, and bring them to an audience it, and continue to hammer those home because we believe that's the most important thing is to, to um, be, part of this, be, be part of the solution and not part of the problem. So I feel like that was a good ramble. I'll go ahead and let Nick summarize. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I can run with it. Um, I think it's, it's kind of a, I guess, a different experience or, or different take on the same experience. But when we started selling survival gear that it was a tough conversation to have with people because like Dustin said, the way that people typically sold something like that was through a scare tactic, Like you will die if you don't have this. And there is no good response to that other than fear or retaliation. And, and so we wanted to find that better way of approaching it. And so we really started to boil it down and we found when interacting, especially with general consumer, maybe not your typical outdoorsman, whatever, and, and advertising it as survival kits, 
you can approach somebody on the street and say, Hey, do you have your survival kit? And they're just going to laugh you away because it's not a common concept that people deal with. So we saw, and it was only through years of distilling it. Um, we saw the benefit of having tools with you at all times. And it's, it's not necessarily specifically for survival. And so we're actually going through an evolution of the company right now to where we're, we're going to start shifting away from the survival mentality and, and more towards everyday carry mentality, because we originally designed stuff for survival and it works for survival, but it's still bottom line. It's a wearable toolkit. And what you're doing is you're creating more capability in yourself by having these tools that you can leverage to your advantage and, and take that advantage over any situation. Once you have tools, you can apply them however you need to, to get to solving the problem. And so that's what it boiled down to is we were giddy about it because we had the survival mentality and we got that and it resonated with us. But when it didn't resonate with other people, it was a struggle for us to get to really figuring out why it resonated with us and why people on the other side said, no, I don't need a survival kit. I got one in my truck or I got one at home or whatever. And it, it just, so through all that process, we've kind of evolved, but at the same time, it, it's for the best because it's created a whole different picture for us. And we've realized that it's much bigger than we thought it was originally. It's about giving people the power and giving people more tools, more capability so that they're ready and willing to take on more life and experience more. And so by this small thing that we thought we were doing over here, the mission has now just broadened and expanded to even bigger than we could have imagined. And so it's become more of a mission driver than just a product focus. Man, I love that, you know, and to both you guys, you know, and to the listeners right now, you might be thinking like, okay, this is three of seven podcasts. Why, why are you talking to Nick and Dustin about survival? And, and the, the reason is because of their, they, they have this bigger mission in order to empower and enable people. Part of three of seven, the three is representative of the body, soul, and spirit. The soul is is that mind, will, and emotions. It's your feelings. So what, what are some feelings that, that people are, are, are experiencing right now in society? Fear, anxiety, um, maybe, maybe discontentment, um, uh, you know, all, all these things. And, and so that's, that's what this con, that's what this part of this conversation is all about is, um, what you guys are doing through your mission is you're you're teaching individuals uh and you're putting out a message and you're putting out a product to individuals that will in turn take away that fear that anxiety um the things that they might be feeling because they can they they actually can build confidence in the fact that they can take care of themselves so that's that's how this ties in to the body, soul, and spirit. That's how, dude. That's how when when you when you can go out into God's creation, when you can go out into nature, and and have some level of confidence that you can take care of yourself. That feels really, really good. 
And it takes a lot of the fear and anxiety away. Not only could you go and take care of yourself, but you can go and enjoy nature. You can spend time, days at a time out in nature and actually be comfortable um, with that. And I think that's a big part that I think a lot of people are missing. And, And this whole art, the whole art that you guys teach and the art that you guys support and it's a dying art man it really is and that and that's a problem man yeah and i i hope i hope there's similarities in so far as you um a lot of things you'll you'll teach i've been listening to a lot of your podcasts recently of course and uh and so many of your guests have learned so much of your little tools that you've learned along the way and they're in they tell all the time of how they get to utilize that little tools as you use the term that while well, if you're doing something extreme like ultra running that you can just reach back in your toolkit get that and that can help you through the situation and just like um, that analogy we we've tried to um, actually embody that incorporate it into actual tools you can wear on your person but with the exact same concept of okay hey look my, my daughter, she needs, uh, she needs X, Y, and Z right now. Uh, and we're out here in the city and we're, Hey, reach into your, your cash cap. And you brought up, you have a bandaid in there. Hey, you're a problem solver. Hey, you had an issue and, and you took care of it. And it could be as simple as a bandaid in your hat, or it could be a lot more complex where you're putting a tourniquet on someone's leg in the wilderness. But we want to be that, we want to provide that toolkit of confidence. Like you were saying, you can reach back and you can just uh, reach back literally and figuratively and, and solve the issues. I love that. I love that brother. And I want to find it. Go ahead. Find it to be somewhat of a, an infectious thing too, because it it all starts small and and those little small victories that you can have, no matter what it is, just like Dustin's example of having that bandaid. It's, it's a very easy thing to do to just put that with you and have it. But as soon as you use that and you just solve that problem on the fly with what was on your person, that's empowering. And, and that starts leading to more changes. Like I like this feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and so now I'm going to try and be a little more prepared, a little more prepared. And then it just kind of, it turns you into a different person and it's slowly and it's over those little bits of change, but having those tools and then expanding your ability to use them. Cause just cause it's fishing line, like Dustin says, just cause it's fishing line, it's labeled as fishing line. It's also a 50 pound test cordage that you can use for anything. I love it, man. I love it. And I, and I want to ask you guys a question or, or maybe give you an opportunity to, to give our listeners a call to action. You know, in the SEAL teams, man, uh, part of our, part of our creed says that the thing that sets us apart as men or as women is the ability to control our emotions no matter the circumstance, okay? So that's what we're talking about here is controlling our emotions. Um, I want you guys to to just give the listeners, uh, if, if, if you have anything, um, where can they start? Where, where's a good place to start in order to go out and utilize or, 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 or use nature in order to uh, help, help your emotional side? I mean, you guys spend a lot of time in the woods. You guys talk to a lot of people that, that spend a lot of time out, out in nature. Um, what has nature done with you and where can people start on that journey um, you know, with, with their time outdoors? You know, you want this, Nick? You want to chuck it over to me? You pointing at me? 
Okay, Nick. Nick's pointing at his ear and pointing at me. What does that sign language mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think there's there's two parts that can kind of go on with this, and one is a, a nature part um, and how important nature is to us and how it's a uh, kind of fundamental in an, in an outdoor lifestyle. But um, I think before that, even one thing that's on just top of my head where I thought this question was kind of going is that, you know, how can you main remain resolve in the face of quote adversity or something extreme? And Chad, I think you can obviously speak way better to this as being in, uh, somebody who's been in some pretty extreme situations and continues to be in extreme situations. But the only thing I can, I can, uh, maybe provide is we had a, uh, we're doing this live series where we're having a bunch of, uh, guys in the industry or girls in the industry, all kinds of people who we've gotten to know over the years. And we're just doing these little one hour short, um, classes with them just to kind of teach us one snippet about some wisdom they've learned. And we had Craig Cottle on recently and, uh, he's a, a survival instructor and he went through his four puzzle pieces of survival. And, Throughout that little one hour discussion, one of the big things that came up was purposefully putting yourself in stressful situations. It's as simple as a sauna, you know, 20 minutes in a sauna to re release those heat shock proteins. It's, it might be running, but purposefully, I, I love the way he put it. And I'm not going to be able to regurgitate it in the same way, but I think putting yourself in these, these situations where, um, you, you are the one who completely put yourself in this stressful situation. You're able to control your emotions throughout and you get to the other side. You're starting to connect those brain synopses in, in so that the next time when something does happen, when you are caught broadside, when you're just minding your own business and you are just, you got rug flipped, you, uh, you're driving down the road and boom, it hits you size, you know, you're sideswiped and had no idea it was coming that's when you're, you're going to resort back to those times that you were trained, you trained yourself for, and you're not going to overreact and overreacting or being part to inside the situation does not enable you to step away and see it for what it is and react properly. Uh, and I know I'm preaching the choir here. You're, you're a, a dude who definitely has control of his emotions, but, um, that kind of stoic, uh, and stoicism philosophy, I'm, I, I love, and I love putting myself in those situations because I know that in the future, when that un, when I am unprepared, when that thing that does come out of nowhere out of left field hits me, I hope that I'll be able to react um, in a in a very uh, controlled manner. That's one side of it. I love uh, that, man. I love that, okay. and I want to I want to send it over to Nick. Nick, what are some what are some good either stories or examples of those situations that you found yourself in and in nature, whether it was uh, whether it was self-induced or outside of your control, and then uh, I'll bounce that back to you. I want a good story from you too, Dustin. So, man, I, I don't know if I have any great stories. I have some original ones from uh, it, just growing up in West Virginia in the mountains and going out hunting. This was prior to me doing any sort of survival education. Um, it was just a way of life, and we were out hunting a couple times and. I may have been 10 or 12 years old and my dad was telling me to go up to, you know, the, the top of the hill up here, there's one large pine tree. And, and so at, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, I was supposed to hike up the ridge, meet him at the large pine tree. And from where we were standing, it made sense from where I sat. It, it was one of those instances that you really start to second guess yourself because when I was, 
there at two and I went to leave, I could see a whole series of tall pines both down this ridgeline and down that ridgeline. And now I'm sitting there guessing, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, I'm, I'm out here in the national forest in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I don't know where I am. I don't have a compass. I got lunch and now I got to like meet up. And so it's, it's those feelings that it, it worked out and, and I picked the right tree and the right line. I had to think about it a little and try and get my bearings and imagine where it would end up. But I've also gone out in the same area uh, with my buddy back in high school and we saw a, a cliff top, um, a couple, couple mountains over. And it was essentially just a big, uh, like a plateau almost that stuck up off the top of the mountain. And so we wanted to go head over and check that out and see if we could do any rock climbing on it. Well, the first day we attempted it, we missed completely. We hopped over the first ridge, didn't have a compass with us. Um, same type of deal, just completely ill-prepared. And, and these are the stories that get people lost and potentially killed. But we did that. We popped over the first ridge, came up the second. It was nowhere in sight. And we're in tall trees. We couldn't see our way out. Uh, so we did the default of follow it downhill, hit a waterway, follow that to a bigger waterway. And we knew we crossed the river on the way in. So we finally ended up back at the Greenbrier River. And then we ended up having to hike back upstream about a mile to get out, but we were able to use the bare minimum of knowledge that we had to get out. And now I don't travel without a compass and without a plan. And now we all have GPSs in our phones. So things have advanced to hopefully protect all that. But it's those little instances that really stick with you. Like you can, you can make a small mistake in recovery and you can learn from it, but it's the big mistakes that'll get you. So you're better off taking those little learning opportunities and make them self-inflicted so that you can learn those mistakes on your own in a controlled environment or with a fallback plan so that it doesn't end up biting you and potentially killing you. I love that, brother. And isn't it amazing how nature forces you to learn? It for because mm-hmm. because dude, when you're out there, you can't just quit. Like yeah. you, 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 you that's not an option. I mean, you have to you have to make it to either a known point uh to your objective or back to your vehicle. You can't just sit down and quit. That's what I love about taking people out in the mountains is if anybody if I take people out that that may not be in a, with a super strong mindset or whatever, you know, it's a good place to bring someone to where they can't quit. That is just not an option. Nature will force you to learn. You don't have any other choice. And again, that's part of bringing that that soul part of us into subjection and forcing it into a place where you you have to press forward or turn around and go back and find your way out. And that's what's so awesome. And uh, on your first story, Nick, when you t- when you talked about that tree, dude, trying to find that pine tree, All right, I got a story that's kind of like that. When I was in SEAL training, man, third phase of BUDS, we were in Southern California, this place, I think it was called Laguna or something, and we were doing our land navigation deal. It was like two weeks long. Dude, we, we were living, I was sleeping in a sleeping, I didn't even know what, they didn't even give us ground pads, no tents. We were literally sleeping on the ground in a sleeping bag. By the end of that week, I literally 
or, or two weeks, whatever it was, I stunk so bad that I could not stay. It got so cold, you know, you'd try to pull your sleeping bag over your head and you, you could, I could not stand the smell of my self. So I would just have to keep my head outside of my sleeping bag and freeze my head off all night because I literally stunk that bad. But um, during this land nav exercise, we had these massive radios, dude, that we carried around in a rucksack, an Alice pack, um, this big green radio. This joker was heavy, man. I mean, but but they told us we had to call in when we'd hit a point, we would have to call it back in to headquarters so they could kind of keep track of us. And the instructors told us they were like, never set that radio down because it's like a $30,000 radio. I mean, it's like, you know, it's some of them have crypto loaded on them and like, you can't lose this thing. It's like your weapon, basically. You, in the SEAL teams, your comms are this on the same priority level as your weapon is. And so, dude, I had been hammering out these checkpoints all day long, and it was hot, and I was tired. And I came to a point where I was standing at the bottom of a hill, and I could see my dang checkpoint at the top of the hill, right? I could see it. It was on a stake. It was a dog tag on a stake, like maybe maybe 200 meters. I was like, man, I am not carrying this radio up this hill. And there were like scattered trees around. It wasn't like a really dense forest, but I was like, all right, I'm standing right beside a tree. I'm going to set this radio down right here by this tree. I'm going to walk 200 meters, get my point and turn around. Dude, I got up there, got my freaking point, turned around and all the trees look the same. <laughs> Dude, that was the most frightened that I had ever been in SEAL training because I had literally, this was third phase, man. This was, this was it. We had done all the hard stuff. This, we were like weeks away from graduation and here I am. I've set my radio down and now I don't, I have no clue which tree it was. And I probably spent two hours scrambling to find that radio and finally found it, dude. But that's a solid lesson. And I, I just, I know that resonates with you from your story. Like you said, when you turn around and, oh my gosh, every tree looks the same. Like that, that's the way it is. It, that that yeah. is, that really happens. So yeah, it, uh, it definitely, it's disorienting at times. You think it looks good and you go in and you turn around and you're in some different place than you thought you were. <laughs> exactly. And especially if you don't have good terrain. I mean, uh, we just moved from, you know, Virginia beach area and it's all flat swamps out there, dude. And like the only way to navigate is literally dead reckoning. You can, you know, there is no such thing as you look at a topo map out there and it's just like one solid white map. There's no to topo lines at all on it. So, but anyways, Dustin, Give me, give me something real world or self-inflicted out in nature that has forced you to bring your soul into subjection and press forward and accomplish your mission or turn around and find your truck. <laughs> One or the other, man. I have a pretty similar story to you guys. 12 years old uh, at the time we were living out on a little ranch, but, and it's, uh, it's only 75 acres, but we had permission from all the landovers around us. That I could go do whatever I wanted to around there. So uh, that kind of same old as, as I would do every day, take 22 and the dog out and go play out in the woods. I'm only maybe 10 to 12 years old. 
and cross the fence, go on somebody else's property. I don't know. We probably chased some critter around or something, went and played around. And that moment hit right where I start, I turn around and I start back and all the trees look alike. <laughs> and where I think the next Creek is going to be, there's no Creek. And, uh, so I start trying to come up with a plan of, all right, I'm going to go this direction and I'm going to mark trees. And it got, it just got wildly worse from there. It does. The sun started going down. I didn't see any of the trees I'd marked. I knew right around the next bin was going to be the thing that I, that I knew was going to be there. It wasn't. And, uh, so then I start to panic. Then I start to run through the woods and, uh, go just making it worse and worse and nothing. And the more I panic, the more I realize I'm getting in a worse situation. I, I mean, now I'm running through the woods, getting either further away or in a, a, a worse direction. So, uh, yeah, eventually I ended up just running into miles away. Uh, some other people are cutting some firewood or something. I was like, Hey, I'm lost in the woods. And at the time I really was pretty, I was really nervous and uh, I'm oh, sure yeah. they saw it on my face and everything else. And I was, I was really scared. It was already getting nighttime and, uh, yeah, come to find out they, uh, they, they put me in the pickup and drove me back home. And, uh, I was, I don't know, at least eight to 10, we looked it up like eight to 10 miles away from the house. I was, I was not getting wow. anywhere near back. I was going further away the whole time. And so that was when I was young, probably, you know, 10 to 12 years old. And I think that instilled in me something that now I'm 32 to this day. Uh, I don't like being a victim. I don't want to freak out. I don't like myself in those scenarios. I don't like to be that guy who is, um, yeah, is making the situation worse. And so that, that little story for me was, was, uh, one of many, but that was one of those kind of things that, that keep in my back of my head has kind of led me on this pathway of seeking out to avoid that forever. Again, I want to make sure that I'm putting myself purposefully in those, in, in these wild situations or training properly so that I can get out of that, having the right tool set in my mind and tool set in my body. That's it, brother. And so you guys are now obviously both highly trained professionals when it comes to <laughs> wilderness survival, search and rescue, that type of stuff. Um, I have a feeling that the same principles that you would that you would teach a an inexperienced outdoorsman, the same principles that you would teach him, the mindset principles, in order to stay calm and not panic when something happens in nature. I would I would think those same principles probably apply when to stay calm and and to con- control your heart to to control yourself uh, when something happens at home or when something happens at work or whatever the scenario is that's what's be- that's another beautiful thing about nature is the principles of nature when you're out there the natural principles the things that it takes to stay calm out there in those scenarios when it can be life and death are the same principles and the same techniques that we can use at home. So, you know, you guys have a lot of training on this stuff. What are some things that you have used in order to stay calm uh, during, you know, may, maybe that that panic feeling when you may be lost in the woods or even just in general life, man, or, or uh, some some that you have used or some that you may have learned through your, through your years of training and experience? I think for me, uh, a lot of it is still that incremental building that you, you have this experience and you freak out and, and some people choose that they don't want to have that feeling again. So they go about trying to 
find ways of preparing so that they're more well equipped the next time. But no matter the instance and and especially doing these self-inflicted things, you want that because what you're doing, and I think this is what Craig Cottle was talking about is that you're training your mind. You have, you have like your primitive mind and your thinking mind. And, and one of them is very in charge of your fight or flight and your reaction. And what you're doing is you're creating a neurological connection that you suppress the fight or flight in lieu of getting the thinking mind to take over. And, and so the military, I believe, has an acronym for the STOP, and I think a couple other organizations use it as well, but it's, you can go through those. Um, but essentially what it is is stopping processing thoughts, taking inventory of your current situation, where you are, what resources you have, creating a plan, and then taking action. And in doing that, what you're doing is you're just you're you're linking this this chain of neurons that when this adrenaline dump scared thing happens, instead of jumping straight to fight or flight, I now process through thinking brain and then decide what to do. And so you're kind of rewiring yourself, but you can't do it all at once. I mean, maybe, maybe the, the SEAL training does, I don't know. Maybe they just sit there and beat you down until you, you just make that connection automatically. But for the rest of us, we start small and we do little things that stress yourself a little bit, make that connection or go out without a certain item or whatever. And, and so it's weird. You, you talk about nature kind of in a nature against person type of thing, but I find a lot of calm and solace in nature myself because that's where I go to relax and that's where I go to unwind and it gets me away from technology and all the things, the notifications, the alerts, the, you know, people going up and down the street and dogs barking and mowers and, and babies screaming <laughs> you yeah, get out in nature. Yeah. And it's just birds and breeze through the leaves. And that's, that's where I unwind. So it's, it's all in, in what you go to, but regardless of whether you're in nature or in a city or whatever it is you're doing, any sort of little puzzle piece that you can, you can do, even if you practice, like if you know your, your wife is coming home and it's weird now that we're all on quarantine, but if you know your wife's going to be coming home soon, come up with a plan of what you want to do. Like as soon as she gets home and try to react and like build these things in that there's going to be some spontaneous trigger when the door opens, what do you want to do? And, and even if it's like, I want to get to the other side of the couch and get the remote, it's still you having that, that alert behavior of, Oh, this trigger happened. What was it I was going to do? And then you have process that thought and then you do the thing. And even little minute training like that will help build to the bigger picture. Bro, I freaking love that, dude. I have never heard that. I, I, that is just like, to me, that's an amazing thing that anybody, no matter where they live, no matter what the circumstance they is, that's an amazing way that people can build their skills and their and, and build a, a sound reaction um, to those stressful situations. Is, is starting small with something like that, dude. I mean... That's an awesome principle, man. You need to be shouting that out off the rooftops, dude, because I've never heard that. I mean, that's really, really cool, brother. See, I have a bad memory. I'm sure I heard it somewhere, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a matter of applying whatever it is, you know, in one area and, and just, you know, making those applications. I do a bunch of dog training with our search and rescue group. So we're constantly working these, these little neurological connections. You want the dog to do something, you try and capture the behavior or you give them some sort of a, a start 
and then you get the trained behavior that you want and that leads to the reward and you do that repetition enough that it becomes they smell the odor they do the indication automatically like that first jump and that's essentially what we're trying to do with ourselves we just have to put in the time to train it straight from a nasa engineer just blew my mind, dude. I love it. I'm going to actually use that in my own teaching and uh, in, in, in my own clients that I, that I, that I get to coach and, and spend time with, man, because that's a wonderful, wonderful tool and, uh, and way it. to build that reaction. Thank you so much. And what do you got, uh, Dustin? What, what do you use in those stressful times, man, in order to just kind of just calm yourself back down and, and make the right decision, man? You know, I, I, um, I've done, I've got to do a little bit of training in, uh, in various ways that helped me a lot personally. Uh, scuba was a big one of, um, always remaining in a, in a circumstance, even because I guess for scuba, why that immediately comes to my head is because when you cut off oxygen to the brain, you had this really loud voice <laughs> that is telling you it gets really, 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 really loud. And, uh, it tells you to do something right. Like the, I, and it's usually a panicky voice. And so training yourself in those circumstances to, to be louder than that voice. Um, that one's helped me a lot. And that's, there's, there's other training too that's helped me, but scuba for one, um, that was a great one that kind of helped me train my mind that no matter what, even if that, even if there's a very, really, very, very loud resounding voice that is trying to be extreme, that it never is the answer to rely on that never to go with the panic uh, well, maybe there is, maybe if you're walking down a trail and you, and a snake jumps out and, uh, maybe the best thing to do is to jump up in the air. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, a lot of times I found actually just freezing, uh, works for snakes and, and so you don't jump on top of the, the mama. <laughs> That's it, brother. But, but I think I, you know, the, the thing that when, when you started uh, asking about that, the thing that came to my mind is that for our company, we just we've been so fortunate that that's been one of the the things that Nick and I and our employees have been able to embody as a mission statement for ourselves is this kind of don't panic let's just let's just come just use the STOP style of looking at the resources we have look at the things that we can change and not worry about the things we can't change and focus on that and uh, being a business it's a small business with a, just a few people and very limited resources and being around for a couple of years, we've seen some things. We've had our entire, we, we, well, I got that phone call early in the morning one time from Nick that said our entire building was burned down and everything is burned down inside of it. So what do you do? <laughs> you just start yeah. rebuilding, right? Yeah. And um, you, you, don't, uh, you don't expect a, a pandemic to hit you in the middle of the year. And, uh, but you know, in those circumstances, I think that's exactly what we were able to do is apply some of these individual principles that are universally good in nature and life and with your family. And we've also sort of applied to our business. So we said, all right, look, this is, this is what we think is going to happen. This is what's happening to the economy. This is happening with people's health. This is what, that's that. What can we do right now? And we literally went down and we made a big old long list of, um, if this, then this, and we're now we're just executing the plan. And, uh, it's been a, such a relief to be able to do that, to have all the people on board, to be able to say, okay, look, there's a, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty here, but let's work with what within the things that we can do. And so in business too, I've seen that very applicable. That, that's a prime example of how that that lesson, you can learn that out here in God's creation. You can learn that lesson out here and then it, it t- flips, man, and it applies right to business, man. And, you know, we're the, I, I'm, I'm the same way, man. Like, 
you know, when it when it comes to business, obviously this stuff, man, it it put a uh, speaking engagements was one of my favorite things. Like, man, we were rolling. I was loving it. And uh, and, you know, it just shut down. I mean, it, it's, it's non-existent. And so that's that was my natural reaction. It's like, OK, what are the what are the resources I have, no matter how meager they are? Um, what what can I do? What can I create? What can I do to create a spark? that is in turn going to jumpstart everything back up when, to position myself, basically, when everything does come back around and the world uh, returns to its its normal um, flow state, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, looking back on it now, that I react that way because of SEAL training, because of time in the woods, because of all those other times. That's the reason I react the way that I react. That's the reason you guys re- have reacted to this scenario as entrepreneurs and business owners, the way that you reacted. Um, I mean, dude, if if you can't see the, the value and, and how those skills are transferable, I mean, there's no better example out there uh, in my book. So solid, solid brother. I am going to hit the head real quick and then we're going to transition. Yeah. <laughs> He's chugging all that water earlier. <laughs> like a huge protein shake or something. Probably from the marathon he ran this morning. <laughs> I haven't even asked him yet. He probably literally ran a marathon this morning. I was just talking with uh, some friends at, at the brewery the other day and swing by to pick up beer and I was like yeah man I just went jogging for the first time in probably a year and a half and I'm sore and they're like how far did you go and I started thinking about it I was like maybe like two miles <laughs> and then I'm thinking this guy runs 30 miles a day <laughs> yeah by the way I don't know if you saw that Tyler um well um uh, Matt Graham, we kind of got invited to go doing a Matt Graham run down in the uh, in the desert in, in Utah. That's awesome, brother. Yeah. Oh, hey, a Jeff. run, a run, yeah, survival run. Yeah, we'll see about that. We'll look into that a little. <laughs> you might you might have to take Chad with you and pretend he's Nick. I <laughs> do. Hey, we'll go. Let's do it, man. All right, so. Dustin, um, that that topic that you brought up, that's a perfect transition into what I want to talk about next, and that is entrepreneurship that is being a business owner. A lot of our listeners are business owners. Um, I think a lot of people are entrepreneurs. They're just a, a little afraid to take the first step, especially in uh, the 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 climate that we're all in right now. Um, we, we just, we just started a business, uh, last week. We just opened a new business and, uh, there again, that's just all about being that spark, man. Um, you know, I'm sorry, but the, the television's not going to sell me their lies. Uh, we're going to keep pressing forward, man. So I want to talk about entrepreneurship. Um, I want to talk about some of the challenges that you guys have faced as, as business owners, as partners, and and starting with how you guys came to be partners, because I think there's a story around that. And there's an important lesson from what the decision that you guys made. I definitely say so. Um, I'll try and keep it succinct, Nick. <laughs> but uh, 
I think it is important because we're doing something a little bit weird. And uh, if I, if I was going to give advice to somebody, I don't know if I'd, I'd tell them to follow the same thing that we did necessarily, but it worked for us. And uh, you know, how many, how many fortune 500 companies have two CEOs? You don't have, we don't have two presidents. We don't have two CEOs. We don't, but Wazoo does. <laughs> Wazoo has two part, uh, part owners, founders living in two different States. Uh, that's, that's never like a suggestible thing to do, but I don't know any other way. And the reason I think it worked for us, and I think Nick will echo this, but what it was, it became part of our culture of working together and seeing if you can, if the, so if you can work with other folks where the, some of the parts are greater than the whole, where you can raise, uh, raise all boats with a, uh, with the same tide or whatever, the, whatever the analogy is, you know, same thing. And so from the very beginning, Nick and I, when we first found each other years ago, 2012, something like that, um, we were doing, we were working in the same business. We were working in the same vein of industry, so to speak. And I think the natural inclination for a lot of people in that. Well, was, hold, hold, yeah, hold on there. Okay. We were working in the same industry or the same vein, but we were also the only two people at that time that had done anything like that. Yeah. And we just so happened to live 15 minutes apart. <laughs> yeah. That is it's wild, crazy. Man. So, yeah, when I, for me, when I, when I saw that serendipitousness that uh, there was this other person do this other thing that's similar to me, uh, my natural reaction at least was, well, let's see how we can work together. And uh, so the, uh, we, we, we met up and it seemed like there was, there was great overlap and my weaknesses were his strengths and vice versa, I think. And that was where the opportunity really laid. It was like, okay, well, like this guy's doing this thing really good. I've been doing that thing really bad. So let's, let's see what we can like make. Maybe if, if we combined our forces together, I mean, that would be, that would be way more, it would be way stronger. We could achieve way more together. And so uh, that's skip forward many, 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 many years. And uh, before we came to Colorado, um, we actually met with a guy, did like a disc analysis. You've heard of that, Chad, like a DISC, it's a personality test. Uh, yeah, I have heard of that. Yeah. I've never taken okay. one before, but I've have heard of it. Okay. Well, you know, over the years we, we've worked really well together at this point, we've been married for a really long time, essentially. And, uh, and it, and the, the chemistry works, but it, in just recently last year, we moved, I moved up here to Colorado with most of the operations of the business and Nick stayed in Texas. And that obviously causes a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, um, logistical issues. And my biggest concern was losing the Nick part of the puzzle. You know, what he brought, all those things that he was bringing to the table. I don't want it to be the Dustin show because the Dustin show would have ended a long time ago if it was just the Dustin show. <laughs> but, uh, so we, we actually took a personality test and, uh, we, we were on the opposite sides of the spectrum of, uh, uh you know, there's a big disc and, and he's on one side and on the other side. And that's where the beauty was is that we are two different people that had two different ways of looking at problems. However, the, the main operating system of us still wanting to conquer those problems and the passion behind it and our own personal interests, we have so many things in common that it works beautifully for us is that we have enough different that we can, we can look at it from different perspectives and, and work different angles, but we have enough the same 
that makes it a fun experience that both of us are striving towards the same mission, same goal together. So long story short, this whole, this whole business thing of, of being together as a, uh, as a business has worked really well to be able to find other people who are opposites. One of the first people we hired up here in Colorado too had her take a personality test and she was different from both me and Nick. And I was, I was instrumental in wanting to make sure I didn't, I didn't hire somebody who else was like me or like Nick. We wanted someone to fill in those gaps. And so much across the board, even if they don't work for us directly or an owner or an employee, there are so many people in the business that know so much more than us that we've gotten to partnership up with. And it's always with that kind of mindset of going into it and seeing like, how can we do this thing together? How can we work together? How can we help them? And I think if one of the first steps we always try to take in any kind of friendship partnership is how can we bring this person, this company, this entity, entity, this, this club, this group, how can we bring them more value than they can bring us? Like that should be the challenge of how can we, how can we give them more than they, they can get, give to us and, uh, and, and kind of approach a lot of relationships that way. I'll end it there. Yeah. Where do you want me to pick up? Yeah, I don't know, man. I just kind of pull off there. I mean, I I mean, so so here's the thing. Here here's what I loved about that story right there, man. Is I loved that you guys were kind of in the same lane, right? With with your with your passion, with your business, um, and you guys connected. And instead of instead of butting heads and saying, "Well, I'm going to do everything I can to beat Nick." or to be better than him or Nick to beat Dustin or be better than him. What you guys chose to do was you guys chose to consolidate or you chose to become basically mutually supporting elements. Okay. And and so that is the lesson right here, guys is, is as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, look, I'm all about, um, you know, the, the free economy and, and, uh, you know, um, and, and competition and the whole nine yards. I'm all about that. But, but I, I likewise, the reason that story resonates so much with me is because that's the same way I am in my business. When I look at somebody that has a similar mission that I have, or has a a similar message that I have, I'm not out there to, that my never does it cross my mind to try to beat this person or be better than this person or to set myself apart from this person. It's like, oh my gosh, how, how can we consolidate our resources in order to make the biggest impact that we possibly can? And you know, you know what you were doing there, Dustin and Nick, you guys were using sound tactics. Cool. <laughs> Sound tactics. So it, as a SEAL, when you took enemy contact, like, uh, first of all, when you, and when you were out as a SEAL, either patrolling or, or out on a mission or whatever, even in the water, and Dustin, you probably know this from the boats and stuff in the Coast Guard too, you always had to position yourself um, as mutually supporting elements. That was always the first thing uh, in mind when it came to making movement. And then if you took contact and you really wanted to crush the enemy and you really wanted to just make the biggest impact, you consolidated that force in a place that made sense. And dude, you could just crush at that point, you know? And, you know, that's, that's, dude, that's the whole reason that, that I've connected with you guys is because you guys obviously are, are in a lane that I'm passionate about. And um, I'm like, well, what can we do to to be mutually supporting elements here? What can we do to combine our resources 
Uh, that's why you're on my podcast, and that's why I'm going to be wearing Wazoo Survival Gear, not only because I like the gear, and I think it's going to be great, especially for the new business we just launched um, and, and that arena that we're going to go into, but we are now mutually supporting elements, and we can now have s- such a greater impact than we could have ever had standalone. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I don't know. That, that's, that's, I mean, when you guys, when you told me that story the other day, I was like that those guys are using sound tactics and that's why part of the reason why they are so successful in their lane. So we didn't know that going in though. We, <laughs> we, made, <laughs> we made that decision early on and we thought it would be a good idea. And it has been rough at times and, we had no idea where each other was on the personality spectrum. We could kind of get a read on it, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things that nothing, nothing is ever going to fall in your lap. You got to work for it. And I think by having the two different sides of the coin, it's, there's a lot of tension, but at the same time, there's a lot of balance and that's key to everything is keeping that balance. Um, you don't want to get too much Dustin or too much Nick. If there were two of me, company would have failed if there were two dustin company probably would have failed like it, it oh. just it, <laughs> for some reason it works out but at the same time it all comes back to the reactionary mind and how you deal with situations if you got a hothead that's your business partner and every time you bring an idea to them they blow up in your face that's not going to work so even though we have very differing ideas a lot of the time it's a matter of how we go about breaking that down, analyzing what's best for us, picking a path forward and always focusing on, on the mission or the long-term objectives, whatever it is that we're out to do and what is best for that. It's not who wins. It's not who loses. It's not who's right and who's wrong. It's what is best for the longevity of us. Mm, Man, that's so solid. That's so solid, brother. And you know, you know what I see gets in the way of that the most? Money. Money. Sometimes. Money. You you see it, man. It gets in the way of that, that picture right there. Um, We haven't had that problem yet, Chad. Well, hey, man, (laughs) you, 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 it it will, you'll have it one day and I don't, I don't think it'll be a problem, but, um, because you guys are on the right track. Uh, that's more of just a, a warning for anyone listening to this, getting something out of it, man. And, um, you know, another thing that Nick said is nothing's going to fall into your lap. And that is so true, man. For, for anybody listening to this that is, is wanting to get into that entrepreneurship space, wanting to start a business, you know, in my mind, and this may be totally wrong, if you want to be an entrepreneur, but you don't know what you want to do, just go do something. Just create something. You know, just start something because nothing is going to fall in your lap and, and always attack. So, you know, the, the, the fact of getting up and just creating something, even though you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle, dude, when we started 307 Project, I didn't even know what a freaking LLC was. I didn't know what an EIN number was. I didn't know about a business bank account. I didn't know. 
I still don't even know what to do with the money we make. It just <laughs> it just sits in the dang bank account, and I'm like, well, they keep telling me I'm going to have to pay taxes on this at some point, so I'm just going to leave it all in the bank account because I don't know how much taxes is going to come out of it. Like, I'm figuring all this out just like as I go, dude. And and what's crazy is is we just launched the the um, the new business, Charlie Mike Training, and you know it's it, the the process has been so much cleaner. So each time you launch, you know, it, it just, for me, I can only imagine it gets cleaner and cleaner. And then all of a sudden you, you have this team around you. You have all these, all these professionals that you can engage on a project by project basis, like website, man, I got a website guy, you know, um, accounting, I got an accounting guy, logo, I got a logo guy, products. I, you got, you have all that stuff in place. And, um, but, but that takes initiative and it takes a lot, a lot of failing and learning and failing and learning. And then you finally get it and you finally get the right team in place. So I love that statement, Nick, that uh, nothing's going to fall into your lap, man. Well, if I can follow up on that a little bit, I would recommend for the the listeners that, that think they're entrepreneurs to confirm that because there's two groups of people. There's people that are, that are entrepreneurs and they got the willpower and the mindset. And that's probably more of your listeners to push through the hard times and, and get to that end goal. There's also a lot of people that think they're entrepreneurs that are just unhappy and they're unhappy in their current situation. They're unhappy at their day job, whatever it is. And they think the grass is greener on the other side. And as soon as they can run their own business or as soon as they can do something that is going to change. And that's a hundred percent, not the case. It's, it's not easy. It's not glorious. It's a lot of grinding. It's, it's horrible. Dust and I are scraping by on, on like low wages, think poverty level wages over the last five, six years to make this work. And it's because we're passionate and we have that drive and we have that long-term focus. If you don't have that, your office burns down in the middle of the night and you're going to quit. And then you're going to be set back years of your life, thousands and thousands of dollars of your money. And, and you have to have that follow through. And so just like you're saying, once you have a team of people, they can do logos and websites and all that. If you get that set up, let me know because that's where we fail more often than not is these partnerships with people and trying to get those people in place. And every time somebody lets you down, it just feels like you're tripping or the rug gets pulled out from under you. You spend a bunch on a website and the website sucks and then you got to spend more to get it redone. And there's never, never an easy path, but that's why there's so few successful people because people give up. They don't have that drive and that push to get there. That's the truth, brother. I mean, you might as well, when you go to launch this, whatever your next project is, you might as well go ahead and take quitting off the table, man. And, and you know, I think that I think that that's something nowadays with social media, brother, that people get people's view of other people, people's view of influencers, people's view of the owners of Wazoo Survival Gear, um, it, it, it's skewed. It's like, it's like, no, like, um, you know, I, 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 I literally work 70, 80 hours a week to create, to, to, to have the things in place in order to keep this project or or the Wazoo Survival Gear, whatever it is, up and running and to keep it fresh and and to keep it new and, and it, because it will die. 
if you don't keep it fresh and it, it is man dude i mean I, I i would say every single day i am uh i'm up on email uh taking care of something until 10 30 at night uh more than likely uh, just about every single day and um you know we don't i don't know about you guys but as for me I was telling you guys earlier, I live in a little brick ranch house, drive a beat up Toyota pickup and, uh, and out here in the, out here in the middle of nowhere, man. So we need a dang Toyota sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) We really do, man. We need to reach out to them about that. (laughs) Would that be sweet? Well, can I, can I try and tie tie what I, what I heard in kind of in a full circle kind of thing? Yeah, brother, go for it. So one thing we started on in this first started talking about is um, two options to um, to reacting something. You can react to fear. You can react, you know, in a more aggressive or or um, offensive manner. And kind of what you were talking about, Nick, is that some people are running away from something. They want to start something to get away from something else in the past, and uh, and that'll only take you so far, and and it won't take you very far at all, really. And in, in, uh, in my experience, the only thing that takes you further is when you're I'll borrow a running. Even though I'm not an ultra runner, I'll borrow a race running term. You know, yeah, man. You can't run a race looking back, either at your competition or what you've done or what. It's always moving forward, and you just have to keep that momentum of moving forward, and it has to be fueled by a passion to do it. Um, do it when it's hard, do it when it's uncomfortable, do it when it's not right. And, uh, and it's completely opposite of a, a nine to five job of some, the thing that needs to get done needs to get done irregardless of the way you feel about it. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's at the wrong time. It doesn't matter if you were ready. It doesn't matter at all. It just matters that it needs to get done. And are you the person to step up and get the thing done when it needs to get done? And, uh, and you will do that if you're driving forward, cause you know that that's what you have to do. It won't get done if you're, if it's something that's an inconvenience for you in this side project or thing that you think is, uh, is the right thing to do. It has to, it has to be, like you say, a never quit moment, at least for me, I, I, uh, I, I've been listening to your podcast recently and the, the never quit thing has been in my head and, and Nick and I actually never talked about this. So here's a, here's a spoiler right here live on the podcast. <laughs> You know, we've had, we've had things happen like a fire that uh, kind of burned out our entire offices. And there was never a conversation between Nick and I where we were like, Hey God, like maybe we just shut it down and we just, we just do something different, man. Hey, we had a good run. Like it was, what is the next move? That was the only thing I think that either of us thought about is like, what is the next best option we got going forward? Because going forward is the only option. And uh, Nick, you can chime in. I don't remember ever having to this day. We we've had other things happen too in the business. I don't remember that being an option on the table. And it's because like we know we're going. We know we're going. We don't know where we're going, but we know we're going somewhere. Yep. And uh, and we're, we're going to have momentum. It might be the wrong direction, but you 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 bet we're going to be going in a, in a direction and looking forward to doing it. Yeah, it was it was that just kind of gut. I don't know where we had too big a plans, too big a mission, I guess, at the time to even consider anything else. And I think I was supposed to fly out the next morning to see my family back home or something like that, or go to a cousin's wedding. I can't remember what the cause was, but I was leaving uh, the next day, I think at like 5 a.m. And I got a call at 11 p.m. that said, "Uh, your office is on fire. And so then I was trying to get a hold of Dustin, who I think was out of town at the time. No, you, you were in town. 
And because mm-hmm. we ended up meeting there the next day, I canceled my trip. We, we kind of roamed around the facility and we were looking at if anything at all was salvageable, kind of kicking through the rubble and their melted lights and the air conditioner was all melted. And we're just looking at everything destroyed, trying to figure out what we can salvage. And then, and that was it. It was just like, all right, we'll grab a trash can, throw what we can't salvage in here. And it, it wasn't even a discussion prior to like, let's start cleaning up and just go about it. Take those actions towards the end goal. That, yeah, no, that's solid, man. And for the listeners, Nick is out of the closet now. Um, <laughs> you, you can, you can hear the birds chirping in the background, which I love. I love hearing birds chirping on my podcast. Uh, we did a interview with Scott Worthington out in New Zealand and we did it outside. And that's probably my, one of my favorite episodes. Cause you can hear the birds in the background. It's just, for me, it's relaxing, but, um, but no, man, that that's solid. Not even having that conversation. You guys just took it off the table. Your your mind immediately shifted again, tying it back full circle to what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation. You tied it back into okay, what do we have to work with? What can we salvage here in order to press forward? And not even having that conversation because I can bet you, I I'm ninety eight percent positive that if you guys would have had that conversation at that point. There would be no Wazoo Survival Gear today. There would be no partnership. There would be no business um, because those 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 conversations and those thoughts of of quitting have a real way of creeping into the depths of your mind and convincing you that that is the proper course of action. When in all reality, it's a lie, but it's a powerful lie. So don't have that conversation with yourself or with your business partner ever. Huge lesson learned from you guys' experience, man. That's really solid, not only for not only for business owners, but for marriages, for relationships, friendships, um, whatever yeah. it may be for ultra runners, whatever it is. That's a that's a un, another one of those uh, universal principles that's going to work for everybody out there. So I love it, man. Last thing I want to ask you guys, um, obviously that three part body, soul, and spirit. Um, we talked a lot about the soul today, how to, how to bring those mind, will, and emotions into subjection, how nature, uh, forces you into situations where you can't quit, where you can't panic, where you have to get out. Um, I think that's awesome. I want to ask you guys, what's the, what's the one thing or the one place in nature that, that really, connects with you guys or resonates with you guys on a spiritual level and uh and and just if you have an experience you'd be more than welcome to share it Mm. a big one for me is always the old growth forests for whatever reason they they have a lot less underbrush because the big trees and just the amount the amount of life that's in there it's just a huge canopy it's like walking into a cathedral with the the leaves way up high they're blowing in the breeze and just trunks bigger than you can imagine. And I'm not talking like redwood and and whatever, you know, sequoia size out West. I'm talking like Appalachian shouldn't be there. Poplar that are five, six foot diameter, just monsters that, you know, have really seen some stuff. And for me, that's what I find solace in, in, in a real spiritual connection is seeing these living organisms that have experienced more than I'm ever going to experience in my lifetime. They've lived through it. They've survived it. They've weathered storms and they're here and it's sunny and there's a breeze and there's birds singing. And so there's always that upside, that positive on the far side. And tell you what, a clear sky at night does the same thing for me. 
because being part of the space industry, if you ever do any research into space and you start realizing our sun is a star and there's more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the entire earth, then it really starts to expand your mind that all you have to do is look up on a clear night and realize how small your problems are. So anybody that's dealing with personal issues, stress, drama, whatever it is, that's where I go to try and just unwind and realize that I, I got to let this go. I'm a very high stress person. I try and operate hundred percent all the time and it wears me out. And, and I just need to take that time to sit and, and absorb and realize that a lot of these aren't problems. If it doesn't get accomplished, it's not the end of the world. And, and, you know, just kind of put it all in perspective. Yeah, no, totally brother. I can really resonate with those two. Um, for one, uh, the night sky, I think we've really lost a connection with that. Um, I think there is something there on a very, very deep spiritual level that we as human beings were, uh, were designed to connect with. And because we have chosen to build four walls and roofs over our heads and sleep indoors, um, some people, 100% of their entire life, they've never laid under a night sky. Do you, I don't even think that we can, I don't even think that we can comprehend the negative effect that has on us as human beings, not being able to connect with that essential part and that essential part of creation uh, that we were all designed to lay under and to see on a on a nightly mm-hmm. basis and to study. I mean, we've lost that connection. And two, man, with the old growth timber, uh, I can. I, I mean, that just really hit me hard, man. And and people think I'm freaking crazy for telling this story, dude. Um, but people can call me crazy all they want. I'm not a dang tree hugger. I'm not a hippie. I'm nothing like that, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I used to go out, uh, for years and years, I would go out and I would hunt and I would hunt for two weeks straight. I would take two weeks on the calendar and I would do nothing. And during that two weeks I was deer hunting and I would sit in a tree stand, you know, I would say nine hours to 10 hours a day, every day for two weeks. And one thing that I found with me personally is that the more time I spend out there, um, the more connected I become with those other living organisms, the more that I can begin to understand them and, uh, and, 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 and really from an emotional side, really connect with them and, uh, and have empathy, empathy for them and to kind of, uh, almost feel their personality. But I was deep into one of these, uh, these quests, uh, you know, this two week long journey where uh, I was hunting and spending a lot of time with my back against these old growth, hardwood trees. And, uh, I, I can distinctly remember, uh, one time leaning against this tree and I literally, I, I, it's so hard to explain, but I felt the life of the tree almost like it passed through me and I could sense the tree's personality. I really, I mean, wow. this, this was real to me, dude. Like it impact, yeah. it impacted me on a high, high level to the point that I wanted, I gotta, I, I quit hunting. Like I, I quit hunting in that moment. I didn't quit hunting altogether, but like, I, I was like, okay, I'm not hunting anymore. I stood up, turned around and I was just, I was just feeling the bark of this tree and just like re- really just connected with it in this moment. And, um, 
People think that's freaking crazy, man, but I'm here to tell you, those old growth trees, those things are alive. And and they now they function on a different timeline than we do. But um, they, uh, in my mind, I truly believe they have individual personalities and they are part of this connected network that, again, we have totally lost touch with and uh, we can no longer even comprehend because it's lost knowledge. It's been it's been lost. There's a there's a lot of bushcraft and outdoor gatherings that we attend and there's some really knowledgeable people. There's a lot of people that spend a ton of time outdoors and and somebody told me this and I 100% agree with it is that there's lost energies or, or means of communication that that with nature we can commune in ways that we still don't understand that we've lost because of how we interact with one another and how we stay so disconnected from the environment and the earth and the trees and everything and I'm a scientist 100% to the core like you got to you got to scientifically prove it for me yeah. or I don't believe it except for these things that I've experienced myself to where I can't explain them in any other way. And it is, it's been eye opening. And I think that's why I'm drawn back to nature when anytime I I can find time to go out and that's where I get my, my relaxation. That's awesome, brother. Dustin, I haven't forgot about you, man. Where do you, where do you connect best on that, on that spiritual level, man? Yeah. I will, I will kind of piggyback you, Chad and Nick. I I've definitely had those similar experiences where, um, I communed with nature for sure. Um, on, uh, on, with old growth trees, with, with mycelium, with fungi, with, uh, with rocks. I mean, there's, there's so much more than, than our brains can wrap around in a scientific manner. And we continue to learn more and more about how trees communicate with one another, how everything is interconnected. You can't just wipe off one species of something and think that the whole thing still stays in balance. It's amazing. It's magical that sometimes even these creatures or uh, organisms that we think are enemies are actually working together, even if it's not for their own good individually. You know, there's, there's mother, there's mother trees out there that uh, they're called nursery, nursery trees. I think they call them that are purposefully uh, will give their life for the other trees. It's, I mean, there's all kinds of that stuff, but anyways, I'll, um, my, my personal uh, chapel of, uh, of church in the, in the wilderness is probably gonna be the jungle. Uh, have you ever been to the jungle, Chad? Like the, the Amazon or. No, dude, it's all been desert and crap holes, dude. Never been to a <laughs> luscious jungle. <laughs> I missed Vietnam by a few years. <laughs> well, the, uh, for me, uh, I, um, I, that's where, where my heart is for whatever reason. Well, the reason is that anywhere you look, there's life on the most minuscule, smallest level. You look at, you look at a, at some, something small in, um, in the Amazon, for example, and there's just life abundant. You look big and there's like you guys talking about a 500 year old tree that's been around. And then you look in the tree and there's 10,000 different types of ants, like in the tree, like it's just mind boggling how much life is going on at that one moment. And for me, that makes me part of this system. I don't feel big. I don't feel small. I don't feel outside of it. I feel like I'm, I am it. And it is, and it is rolling along and we're doing this thing that, uh, too often we just call life and too often we, um, we put in a box and we, we formula, we put it in a formula. But, uh, when you get in that moment, it's indescribable and it's just something it's so it's big and it's small 
and it's beyond comprehension. And at the same time, you're able to kind of absorb it uh, in a relaxed mode. So that's where I'm at on that. I love it, brother. No doubt, man. And, you know, I, we, dude, you guys sent me over your bios and we didn't even dig into who you guys actually are and what your experience is. And uh, I'm going to front load this episode kind of with an introduction <laughs> to you guys um, because we've just, I mean, this has been a awesome conversation. I think there is so much, there's so much gold. There's so many principles. There's so many takeaways from this conversation. I've had a freaking blast, dude. Um, we could go on for another hour easily. I want to ask you guys, uh, where can people find you guys? Where can they follow you guys and um, connect with you? All right. WazooSurvivalGear.com is our website. The social medias we're all on, except for that TikTok the TikTok the kids are always talking about. We're not really doing much on there, but we're on the Instagram. We're on the YouTube. We're on the Facebook. Instagram seems to be the place that uh, folks like us are, are able to get in and in, uh, in DM each other and, and where we're most active. Uh, so those are the main ones, website and social media. So what about you, Nick? Did I miss any? No, I think that's it. Uh, our YouTube right now is kind of a, we're making it more of an information depository product introductions, how to use the products. And we're uploading some of our live videos that we're doing. The live videos themselves we're hosting on Facebook. So we're doing a series right now called the the skill series and it's sharing knowledge for independent learning and living. Um, so we're trying to find subject matter experts in different areas all across the whole self-reliance spectrum, bringing them in to, to teach skills just for an hour. And then we upload the video. And so it's just kind of a free information resource. People could come get a little teaser of something. And like you said earlier, light that, find that spark that, that kicks things off for them. And then they can, they know exactly who to go to for more information and just trying to be that, that hub. Well, you guys are crushing it, man. Um, I love, I, I love everything that you guys are doing online. I love everything that you guys stand for. Um, obviously, uh, I, I'm personally excited about your products. I love them. What I've seen of them so far, can't wait to get them out and utilize them. And um, for you guys listening to this, I'm sure you guys will be seeing and hearing more from uh, Dustin and Nick as we press forward as mutually supporting elements. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to come and share your stories with us, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having us, Chad. This was a blast. Great talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much, Chad. Really appreciate it. No problem, Dustin. I think actually, Dustin, I'll end with this. I think I would trade my beard for your hair. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if this was your beard? Like we just <laughs> dude, my hair's falling out, man. Like my beard's solid, man. But my hair in the back is driving me crazy, dude, because I want long, luscious, beautiful hair like yours. And uh, frankly, that's that's why I did it, Chad. I did it for you. I promise you. <laughs> You and, and few of my friends. So I, I was like, I'm going to be 30 years old, man. I don't know how long it's longer. This thing is going to keep going. I had not done the long hair thing. I've never had long hair. It was only a little bit over last year. I was like, all right, we're doing the long hair thing. I don't know, care what it turns out to look like. Maybe it's the same thing with your beard. And you're like, all right, we're going long beard. And uh, I just kind of committed and and uh, uh, it, it's uh, haven't really cut it since. And so this is just what's happening, just growing out, but I'm doing it for my buddies who, uh, at my same age, haven't had been, been so fortunate with their genes. 
Well, stay after it, man. And I'll tell everybody, I'm not going to, I'm never going to shave my beard until something catastrophic happens in my life. So if you ever see old Chad walking around with a shaved face, you better come and give him a hug and ask him what the world's going on because something bad happened. So that's kind of my principle for the beard. But hey, guys, thank you guys so much. Uh, We really appreciate the time. This is the 3 of 7 podcast. Enough said. This podcast was produced by Your Social Gathering. We hope you enjoyed. If you are looking to increase your digital marketing presence or elevate your digital assets, check us out at yoursocialgathering.com.